Well, hey guys, thanks for joining us here today, wherever you're joining us from, which I'm guessing is likely your living room. Uh, crazy week, hasn't it been? I don't know where you were Thursday night. I was sitting on my couch when the uh, statewide alert on my iPhone went off and holy cow, that was loud and uh, almost gave me a heart attack, startled both my wife and I. And so after all that, we, we got the kids to bed and we were trying to figure out, you know, we needed to just decompress a little bit before going to bed. So I'm like, we should watch something. And so we pull it up and, and uh, we watched 2012, which I don't know if you remember, John Cusack uh, back in, uh, you know, the Mayan calendar and all those. And it's like, it, I don't know what it is about us humans that takes comfort and maybe it's just the fact that you watch that and, you know, the whole world's exploding in a volcanic mess and it's like, well, things could be worse. I don't know. But anyway, I have some thoughts as I've been praying this week that I really wanted to share with you today. And before we get into that, before we get into the body of the talk, I just wanted to share a quote that I heard from Martin Luther. And Martin Luther, this was uh, when the bubonic plague was sweeping through his hometown. And as the bubonic plague swept through, I thought he had such a great response to it. Listen, listen to this quote. Said this, he said, therefore, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance infect and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. Smart guy. I'm going to pray. I'm going to isolate. I'm going to fumigate, right? He goes on to say this, if God should wish to take me, he will surely find me. And I have done what, has, what he has expected of me. And so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely. See, and I love what he says about our faith. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. You don't have to make a choice between faith and wisdom is basically what he's saying. And as we all find ourselves in this situation, really that's the place where we find ourselves is we don't have to make a choice between faith and wisdom, but wisdom calls us to live prudently, uh, to isolate ourselves, especially those in the vulnerable population and in respect to the governing authorities, uh, pretty much all of us right now, right? And so in light of that, our responsibility is not to shrink back in fear. I like what he says there. It's not to shrink back in fear, but it's to lean in to what God's doing, to be wise about protecting ourselves and our family members, and to be wise about not infecting others, actually, loving our neighbors well. And I love how Martin Luther puts it in this quote. And so, you know, this week we emailed you and rolled out some great volunteer opportunities. So proud of our friends and co-laborers over at Canyon View Vineyard for the spearheading they've done of passing out food. And we've given some of you the volunteer opportunity to go down and serve alongside of them there, those of you that are healthy and, and low risk. And more opportunities like that uh, are going to be coming up in the weeks ahead. And so as Jason said, get us your info if you want to receive that blast a couple times a week with different opportunities to serve 
in the community. And also, if you have prayer requests, let us know about those. Our staff, we want to be praying for those. And we can post some of those on our online prayer group as well. And I want to let you know about something else we're doing. You know, as a church, we are strategically positioning ourselves right now to reach out to our community. And here's what we know is, man, here's what I'm praying for as your pastor. I pray that the early steps that this county has taken has, is going to result in us seeing a lot lower level of this thing that we won't feel the full impact of it as some places in the nation. Man, that's my prayer. I hope that for our valley, but we don't know what the next coming few weeks are going to hold. And we know our healthcare workers, because we're taking in patients from other counties, um, are going to need support and extra love and prayers during this time. And we know there's a, just a lot of components in that, right? And there's, there's the distinct possibility that as this thing continues, that you and I uh, will know people who end up um, catching this virus and end up suffering from it and perhaps even some that die from it, right? I have a friend that's a vineyard pastor over on the front range that's dealing with that right now in their church. And so it's a very real deal, something we need to take seriously as the body of Christ, yet not with fear, but to lean in and say, what does it mean to be the church in this situation? Because we're, we're supposed to be the fearless ones, right? And so as a church, you know, we are setting up, um, as of when you see this, we will have set up a, a new fund called the Impact Fund. And this is a fund you can access if you go over to our website, lifegj.org. You can access this on our online giving. And uh, it, it, specifically, this fund is going to be set up uh, 100% for the reason of reaching, uh, meeting critical needs, both within the church body, but then also wider in our community as needs unfold. And so if you want a place where you can give and know that those dollars are going to go to something that's going to really impact lives, both in our larger church family, as people begin to struggle in various areas, but then also really in the community to meet needs in the community, uh, I want to invite you to go on and access that on our website. Now, I want to just make a quick note that also as your pastor, I want to ask, you know, if you're a regular supporter of the church, um, that you wouldn't reroute those funds over there just because there are still needs here. Now, we're, you know, we have some reserves. We're set up in, in a way that, you know, we think that the next couple of months is going to be okay. And yet I want to encourage you, you know, so that we can continue to operate as a church, to continue to give to that as you're able and as God moves on your heart. But I want to set this up because I know you're such a generous, amazing congregation. And so we want to set this up as a way that we can impact our community. And so you can go to our website and check that out. And then we'll keep you up to date on some opportunities uh, to get out and, and serve in, ways, in the ways that we can um, during this quarantine. There's going to be delivery of food to people who are shut in and some various opportunities that way. So today I just want to uh, share some thoughts that God's put on my heart. And we've been in this series called Out of Darkness in the Book of Exodus. And in this series, uh, we've been seeing all kinds of things. Now, I, as I was praying about it, we were supposed to go into the plagues this week. And as I'm praying about it this week, I didn't feel like it was exactly the direction that we're supposed to take this week. We'll get right back to this series and uh, get back to the topic as soon as I feel like that's where the Lord's leading. But really, the scripture that came to my heart and my mind this week was in Romans chapter 8. And so here's the connection to Exodus. Paul talks about Moses, okay? 
So there's the connection. Now we're going to just dive right in to Romans chapter eight. And if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. And let me just encourage you today. Um, I'm going to be reading out of the Bible. Maybe you want to hit pause if, uh, you know, if you're joining us and just watching at your own leisure, hit pause, go get your Bible and follow along. I know sometimes it's a little harder to stay engaged um, when it's an online thing. There's oftentimes other things going on, but go grab your Bible and let's dive into this. And I just want to share some thoughts that I hope will be encouraging to you this week, you know, because part of a pastor's job and part of my job is not just to um, sort of dig into scripture and hopefully pull out some, some truths that make you go, aha, but part of it is to remember. In fact, you know, really the heart of it is to encourage you to remember those things that are most vital and to cling to those things that are most important during times like this. And so, so Romans chapter eight, and we're going to start in verse 14. And the apostle Paul, who is, is writing this epistle, this is a lot of people, they call it sort of his, uh, um, like his greatest work. It's amazing. It's so deep. And so some of this, uh, we're not going to do a thorough exegesis of the text today. We're just going to highlight some things that I think are good thoughts for us right now. And so verse 14 says this, those who are, who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Isn't that amazing? So, He's saying it's the spirit of God who indwells us. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're indwelt by the spirit of God. And, and one of the things the spirit does in your life as you're led by the spirit, and really when we talk about being led by the spirit, one of our values is being led by the spirit, anchored in the scripture and led by the spirit. And when we talk about that, what we're really saying is there's a daily practice of getting up and saying, Lord, what would you have for me today? This is so important when we're going through times like these as people of God is to remember, what would you have for me today? Holy Spirit, lead me today. And then to pay attention. A lot of times it's the little things. And a lot of times we lose sight of this because we're thinking the, the big things when it comes to God's leading. But a lot of times it's the small things. It's that, that tap on your shoulder saying, hey, pick up the phone and call so-and-so. And man, in a season like this, that is vital. Maybe um, it's, it's something, you know, as small as checking in on your neighbor, you know, over the fence from at least 20 feet away. Hey, how you doing, right? I don't know. But it's, it's the Holy Spirit moving and prompting you in this time. And if you listen to him and you're led by him, and part of what the Spirit leads us to do, um, those, it says those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. That part of that you know you're a child of God is this fact that this Holy Spirit leads you. And, and part of that is he doesn't lead us into fear. Either fear of God. And this is where a lot of people, when it comes to religion, and by religion, I'm talking about, um, I'm talking about people that, any, pick, pick a world religion, right? That's all about working as hard as you can to hopefully make yourself right with God. And see, the gospel is that those indwelt by the Spirit, and as the Spirit draws you, the good news of the gospel is it's not how well you can work or position yourself, but it's 
a work of the Holy Spirit in your life that doesn't lead you into fear, but it actually leads you into, into crying out, Abba, Father, or literally, Daddy, Father. Daddy, Father. It's this intimate idea. And you know, I love it in the Gospels. Uh, we're told that if you want to understand the heart of God, you have to understand who Jesus is. You have to understand the person of Jesus. To understand God, you got to look at Jesus. And when we see and read the Gospels, something I get over and over about Jesus is he is, um, I, I think if you've watched maybe old Jesus movies, he doesn't smile, right? He's always uh, very melancholy. But I think Jesus, as a rabbi, rabbis were known for their great, incredible sense of humor. And I see Jesus with a huge smile on his face a lot of the time. Hey, let the little children come to me. I think God, and we don't think about this much with God, but I think God has a sense of humor. And part of the hard times thing, part of the problem we have in times like this is as we see tragedies unfold, and particularly when it begins to impact or it has impacted someone close to our lives, the big question we ask is, is God good, right? And we'll get to that in just a second because the text addresses that. But I think, I think just something I want to uh, highlight is in the person of Jesus, I see a lot of humor. And I think as you grow in, in a deeper relationship with God, a relationship that's not based on relating to God out of fear, but relating to God through the Holy Spirit as your Father, the perfect Heavenly Father, literally Daddy, Father, that, that He's a Father who can laugh with you, who can cry with you, who experiences what we experience when it comes to um, having emotions, right? And so um, this isn't really a part of the talk, but I, I thought it would go good here. And so I looked up some uh, um, dad jokes. And I don't know, it might be too soon. But gosh, we all need a little bit of humor in this situation, right? And so um, I am in no way downplaying the significance of this coronavirus, but I thought some, some dad jokes might just uh, lighten your mood a little bit because actually laughing and humor and relieving stress is good for your immune system. So here we go. Uh, see if you, you can, you can um, kids especially out there that might be watching this, you can audibly uh, groan if you would like to because these are really bad dad jokes, okay? Uh, here you go. I found these as I scoured the interwebs. Why do they call it the novel coronavirus? It's a long story. <laughs> Uh, you know why chefs don't like coronavirus jokes? They're in bad taste. This is really weird reading jokes to a camera with me because nobody's laughing with me. Um, but you're probably not laughing out there. You're just groaning, aren't you? Um, what do you tell yourself when you wake up late for work, uh, actually for essential work, and you realize that you have a fever? Self, I so late. Um, you know who buys up all the toilet paper? Oop, I can't read that one in church. Uh, let's see. Here's one that's a little bit deeper. You got to pay attention. Let's see if any kids get this one. The grocery stores in France look like tornadoes hit them. All that's left is debris. It's bad, I know. All right, one more. So many corona jokes out there. It's a pandemic. All right, you can groan and, and let's move on with this, right? 
But the point before we leave that, that verse to make is that God relates to us. He knows what we're feeling. He experiences our pain. Let's go on. It says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And then this next verse um, is, I think, one of the most powerful verses when it comes to living out our faith, especially in times like this. Paul says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Yeah, yeah, we're going through stuff right now. And, and keep in mind the things that the early Christians in the first century were going through, persecution, um, horrible horrible things. Most of the, the early followers of Jesus died a martyr's death. And, and Paul says, hey, Paul himself died a martyr's death. He says this, I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And this is the stuff we have to remember. This is the stuff that will give us the, the courage to be the church in the culture. To be the ones who who step forward without fear, to be the ones that bring comfort, right? It goes on. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. That, that there's something about the, the creation itself is, is waiting for, for a coming moment, right? For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. And so here's what's going on here. Um, we see as Christians, we have a framework for understanding that we live in a broken world. We don't believe that God caused this virus that's going around the world. We don't know why. I mean, we don't have, we, we're not God, right? We don't know why he allowed it, but we don't believe he caused it. What we know is we live in a fallen, broken world. And Paul is saying that creation itself has been subjected to this uh, it, itself. It's waiting for the day when Jesus returns and everything is made right. But in the meantime, this is the world we live in. We understand sickness and pain and death is part of the fact that we live in a fallen world. Now, our hope is Jesus rose from the dead, something we're going to, we, we celebrate all the time, but especially in a couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate that, right? That Jesus rose from the dead. But in the meantime, we know we live in a fallen and broken world. Verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our, our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, that day when Christ will return and we'll be united with him. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no longer hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. See, being Spirit-led people, the Spirit, it's dependence on the Holy Spirit that's going to get you through this season. It's that intimacy with God, drawing near to God. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
We do not know what we ought to pray for. Have you ever experienced that? Where you just feel so lost? I mean, obviously we're called to pray in this situation, right? Um, one of the clearest scriptures is in 2 Chronicles, where it says, if my people who are called by na my name will humble themselves, seek my face, will pray, right? Then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. So we know we're called to pray. We know we're called to pray in situations like this. But it says here that the Holy Spirit actually helps us in that. We do, know not, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Hang with me. I know this is deep passage. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That the Holy Spirit's actually praying for you. That's a wild thought to think of. We know powerful prayer is powerful and effective, right? We know we're called to pray in the situation. And in what you're going through, actually, the Holy Spirit prays for you. And then we come. And so in the context of all this, we come to this scripture. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Did you get that? In the, in the context of suffering. And a lot of times we only think of this scripture, uh, we think of it, you know, it's like your coffee cup scripture, right? It's that scripture that we think of, um, you know, that we see on a bumper sticker or something. It's almost like a token phrase. And the truth is, this is an incredible promise for people who are in very tough situations. That God works for the good. That in spite of the circumstances, this isn't saying that everything happens in our life is just rosy and fine. It's, it, it's saying in spite of all the circumstances, God is working for your good in the midst of it. For the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Now, um, <laughs> we're not going to get into a long discussion on Calvinism versus Arminianism here. But God has a plan for you, and it is to become more like Jesus. To become more like him. To, be, to have your life transformed. To be more like him. He goes on to say this in verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those God has chosen? It is God who justifies. It's God who saves us. It, it's his work. It's not what we do. And so the enemy is, the enemy whispers in your ears. The enemy tries to convince you that God doesn't love you or that how did God allow this situation? Is God good? All those things as the enemy whispers in your ear, whatever you're doing isn't good enough. 
It's God who does the work. It's God who reaches out. It's God who pulls us in and saves us and brings us into relationship with him. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So not only is the Holy Spirit praying for us, Jesus is praying for us. That's a wild thought. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And this is one of my favorite verses, and this is the passage that just stuck in my head. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37, skip ahead. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'm convinced that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Did you see that? Does God love us in the midst of this circumstance? He says, neither death nor life. Paul has such an incredible perspective around this. So many times our perspective is so much here and now. And let me just say, as we go through this as a nation and as the world goes through this, this is the hope, guys. The hope is in the gospel. The hope isn't in the economy. The hope isn't in a miracle cure, although I'm praying for both of those things. I hope you are too. I want to see my kids and grandkids grow up with great opportunities, right? And I bet you do too. I want to see this thing wiped off the face of the earth. But our hope is the fact that nothing will separate us, that we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, through faith, fully putting our faith and trust in him, and nothing can separate us from that. Not death, not life, not angels, not demons. Not, Paul says nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so I just want to encourage you. Two things. What I know is this. I got this really encouraging text from, from a family friend who, who saw a lot of... Um, he works for an online streaming company. And, you know, it helps churches do what we're doing right here. And what they've sent is almost 20,000 people gave their lives to Jesus just last weekend. Just most of those 70 to 80% of the reports he's getting were just through their one company. That's incredible. And I know some of you, as you tune into this, some of you, you've never taken the step of giving your life to Jesus, of giving him the reins of saying, Lord, I want to follow you. I, I want you to do this work in me. And some of you right now, the Holy Spirit is drawing you. And maybe the feeling you're feeling is just your heart kind of starting to beat a little bit quick. I, I believe the Holy Spirit's drawing you. That's one of the things. That he's drawing you to put your faith and trust in Jesus, to receive the salvation that he offers. And so if that's you, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. And you can pray a simple prayer like this right after me. Lord Jesus, 
I know I've sinned. I'm, I, I can't make it to you on my own. I want to quit living my life just for me. I want to turn away from that and I want to live my life for you. I ask you to forgive me. Lord, whatever it costs, I want to follow you with all my heart. Forgive me, welcome me into your family. And Lord, for all my other friends out there, I just want to pray you comfort them in this time, that you give them strength, that you allow them to go forward, Lord, that as a church, that we would have the ability to go forward um, just knowing that our hope is in you and, and our real hope is in our relationship with you. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. And sometimes life is, is great and sometimes life is not great. But in spite of circumstances, it's all about you. Help them keep that perspective today, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.